The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's start the insanity. Giddy up. New York Bozo! New York Yes, three and oh, three in a row, 37 to 30, the final score in New Orleans, the Packers over the Saints. My goodness, we are two schlitz to the wind here on the APC podcast, Rapid Game Reaction Podcast, whatever it is we're calling it these days. I'm Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod, the final whistle echoing just minutes ago, and I am joined to talk all things Packers victory celebration with Jason Hershorn today. How are you, Jason? It's good to be back on the show. I feel like it's been legitimately three plus years. <laughs> it is shamefully. Yes, it's been like three years. I'm sorry. Call me out. I'm holding you personally responsible. <laughs> I am. I am personally responsible. Um, I'm sorry. Welcome back. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. It's been a very exciting Sunday of NFL action capped off with I mean, what we think is probably the game of the weekend, but I guess Monday Night Football still has a chance to top that. But yeah, a very exciting time if you're an NFL fan. Totally. Um, Let's just get right into it, man. 37 to 30, kind of the ball game that I think that that we were calling for this week on our airwaves anyway, a close game with a lot of points that ultimately the Packers would pull away in the end with the victory. And that, that is what happened there at the end. It did seem in the beginning, um, the absences of Adams and Clark kind of looming large. How do you think that that affected the team here? I think it's fair to say that the absence of Adams, while not insignificant, was certainly not anywhere close to as large of a magnitude as Kenny Clark's absence. Yeah. Uh, You saw throughout the game, how the saints really tried to punish the Packers, up the middle, and that became even more of a problem after Christian Kirksey, the inside linebacker, went out for the game. So that was a weakness for Green Bay pretty much throughout. And still, the Packers were able to, I wouldn't say play a great game defensively, but to get enough stops and obviously that big turnover in the second half that really allowed them to go ahead for good. Yeah, you mentioned the turnover. They, they, The Packers forced two fumbles early, and it was almost inexplicable luck that the Saints held on to uh, both of those both of those fumbles and and I thought you know the Packers when it was halftime I thought you know the Packers the pass rush is getting home they forced two fumbles that hasn't gone their way and now the the Saints have to shuffle on their offensive line it feels like only a matter of time 
um, that the that the pass rush gets home, causes a fumble, and turns this thing around. And 20 minutes after, I think I texted that to my co-host Alex Patakis, it did happen. So I don't claim I don't claim to be Nostradamus or anything, but I'm, I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> It was kind of a strange game for the Packers' pass rush. They didn't really get to breeze that often. And obviously, the Saints are an offense that are predicated or is predicated on a lot of quick passes, and that's going to affect the defense's ability to get to the quarterback. But officially, as I look at the box score, they only recorded two quarterback hits. the, The total number of pressures is higher than that. But it wasn't a situation where the Saints were operating under duress very often. And obviously, that final turnover at the end made a humongous difference, and there's certainly a lot of tangents that one can go off of because it involved Taysom Hill. But if you look at the Saints' (laughs) game plan overall, it really is the exact way you'd want to attack a Packers defense. And other than in a couple of moments like that one, they executed, executed it as well as they could. So it's a credit to the Packers that even with an opponent that knew what they were doing and were able to execute their plan effectively, they were still able to come away with a win. Yeah, it really says a lot about them that, you know, we knew going in that they weren't really going to have answers for uh, Alvin Kamara or Murray, really. And they really didn't, in- including that third quarter run from Alvin Kamara. Um, or wait, was it a pa- it was, I think it was a pass catch, actually. That was just... It was, it was a pass, yeah, into the flat that he five then evaded min- every tackle possible to the end zone. It was just memories of like 49ers games of old... And just like no one can tackle, and like the 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 height of the Dom hate Dom Capers era, that was a uh, perhaps perhaps some of the uh, one of the most embarrassing <laughs> plays on defense I've seen, and yet and yet they pulled it off. Remarkable. Yeah, and there's a lot of things you can take away from this besides what we have already discussed, and and frankly, I think the biggest one isn't actually the play of Aaron Rodgers, and not that he didn't play extremely well. This was a vintage Rodgers performance, but. We've seen Rodgers do this throughout his career, and he's done this already this season. I think this game is really a highlight of Matt LaFleur's evolution as an offensive play caller. Now, we go back to last year, and he had some really good games as a play caller. I would point to that game against the Seattle Seahawks in the divisional round as being, at the time, his best game as a play caller to date. Now, fast forward to 2020, and I thought that the season opener was his best play game as a play caller to date, and then he topped that again Sunday night. So we are seeing an offensive play caller and head coach that is really starting to figure out all the little nuances. And these are the things that, for example, Kyle Shanahan, someone who he worked with, started to figure out near the end of his time with Washington and built on it and built on it into his time with the Falcons and now with the 49ers. We're seeing that same evolution happen, it appears anyway, with Matt LaFleur. And that is going to be huge for the Packers, not just for the rest of 2020. But if if LaFleur is going to be a cornerstone piece for Green Bay beyond the Rodgers era, however long that's going to be, it's encouraging to see that he's able to already call such a fine game, have a great game plan, execute it, and just within the flow of it, figure out the right way to attack the defense. It, it was a tour de force for him. Yeah. And, and we talked about this a little bit last year. We saw little inklings of this in some games, but just this ability that felt like a real departure uh, from the Mike McCarthy era, this ability to, you know, one quarter in, two quarters in, three quarters in even say, you know what, this thing that we thought was going to work isn't going to work. How can we retool things? How can we get guys open? What is, you know, in our bag of tricks and, and seeming to find the the right play at the right time? And um, even the even the announcers, I think, uh, were talking a little bit about that 
um, in terms of Lafleur calling a heck of a game. Um, I wanted to to get your opinion on on this though. Uh, the short yardage run game seemed to struggle quite a bit. Uh, couldn't convert on fourth. Couldn't get a touchdown. Um, I saw you tweeting about uh, Billy Turner having a rough go. Obviously, he gets his first start. What did you think about the offensive line's performance in this game? Billy Turner did have a very slow start to the game. And to a certain degree, that's not totally unexpected. He hasn't played yet this season. There was no preseason. He really hasn't spent a lot of time in something approximating live action since the scrimmage in Lambeau Field back in, I guess that must have been early August or very late July. So there was some rust for him to knock off. After the first couple of drives, I thought that he was much better. Now, there's probably a a realistic or reasonable discussion to be had whether or not he's better for that offensive line than Rick Wagner. But after those first couple of series, I did not think that he was a liability for the Packers. But as it pertains to the short yardage offense, sometimes that happens against a good defensive front. And the Saints do have a pretty sturdy defensive front. So you, you have to consider that the defense gets paid to do these sort of things too. And with a defense as talented as that one, it's not totally unreasonable they'd be able to stop Green Bay in short yards. What was encouraging to me is that despite some stops, the Packers stayed aggressive in those third and shorts, especially those fourth and short situations. I thought for the most part, LaFleur made the right calls there because last year he had been not, I wouldn't say totally conservative, but sort of both sides of it. You have some games where he'd really shy away from going forward and forth in situations where the numbers say that you should, some games where he would. Now, this season, it appears that he's really committed to making that a big part of his approach. And again, over the course of a season, that will pay dividends. Yeah. Maybe a little bit off topic here, but lack of crowd noise was really, really noticeable in this game, obviously. Um, Allowed Rodgers to draw the Saints offsides late in the fourth quarter drive, help the Packers pull away. Um, Obviously, you know, the... The Packers win. They pray they play really well. It is an impressive game. Does this game go the other way if it is a packed stadium in New Orleans? Probably. I think it's really fair to say that probably was one of the things that made a big difference in the final outcome. It's not just that Rodgers was able to draw the defense offsides, although that's certainly something you can't really see him doing, not at least not multiple times, if that is a normal Superdome environment. But the Packers had full ability, as any road team would in that situation, to do their silent count, to just do some of the little nuances that it's hard to do on the road, at least in a place that tends to be as loud as a Superdome has been historically. So it's a much more friendly environment when you don't have to deal with that cacophony of sound that you typically associate with the Saints fans. So yeah, it absolutely made a difference. Other things did too, but if you had to say, it, would that make the difference in the final outcome given what we saw? I'd say that's probably the case. So the Packers benefit from this very weird 2020 season in that way. Yeah. We're bopping around here a little bit, but I wanted to get your opinion on Alan Lazard. I mean, you know, in the absence of Devontae Adams, Lazard stepping up six receptions, 146 yards and the touchdown. I mean, what's not to like? What did you see from him tonight? I think we saw Lazar's strengths played up in the way that the Packers ran that offense. Now, the, the deep bombs are certainly going to get attention because Lazard, by his own admission, is not the most fleet of foot athlete. But I think this, is, this goes to show the things that he does really well 
and the things that the Packers offense is designed to let receivers do, even if they don't have traditional vertical speed. A lot of those deep shots that went to Lazard were situations where the Packers ran play action, hard fakes that drew in the linebackers and also drew in some of the safety help, giving Lazard in many cases essentially a one-on-one situation. Lazard can win in those kind of setups and he has really good ball tracking ability. I think that's what you saw, especially on the deep shot that felt where he caught and then felt just short of the goal line. Aaron Jones scored a few plays later. That's the kind of thing that he can do really, really well. So even if he can't create immediate separation at the line of scrimmage the way that someone like Devontae Adams can, there are ways with the scheme that he can be made into a very effective receiver. And it's it's not just with him. Obviously, the Packers have done this with other players too. But it goes to show that the things that Lazard brings to the table are very conducive to offensive success with what Green Bay likes to run. Yeah. Uh, switching to the defense, Kirksey goes out. They really missed him. And in general, you know, we've talked a lot about it, um, but, you know, this defense is not built, not called to stop the run. And thankfully, you know, they get enough, they get enough pressure. The Z um, forces the fumble and the turnover. Um, They're able to pull it out, but you got to feel like at some point, um, I hate to spin negative at this point, but that's going to come back to bite them, right? You would think so. And obviously there, there are huge caveats here. Kenny Clark didn't play. Uh, Christian Kirksey, as we mentioned earlier, left the game with an injury. Ty Summers, while an effective special teams player, is not someone you want running a lot of snaps from scrimmage. And certainly not the guy you want in the middle of your defense, sort of as the defensive play call relayer. So they had a lot of things working against them in that regard. And certainly the Saints exploited that for the most part. But it's not that the Packers defense wasn't able to get stops altogether. They had several key ones, including some early in the game, that second drive, or sorry, the first drive was a three and out. So they, they did have moments. It is not a good defense. There's reason to believe that no matter what the Packers try to do in 2020, it will never be more than an average defense on its best day. But if the offense is going to put up this many points, and I, I tweeted this stat out, this is the first time the Packers have scored 30 plus points in the first three games of the season since the 1996 season. Now, obviously, the Packers had a much better defense in 96. They went to the Super Bowl with the number one offense and number one defense. But still, that is the kind of offense they're dealing with. This could potentially be the best offense, at least statistically, of the Rodgers era. And it does not have the best talent of the Rodgers era offensively. So there's a lot of things to be excited about with this Packers team, even if you acknowledge the deficiencies that they have on defense. And again, if the defense can make a modicum of improvement, especially with Kenny Clark expected to return at some point over the next few games. And if assuming this injury to Christian Kirksey is not super serious, there is a chance that the defense can be good enough to give this, what appears to be a powerhouse offense, a chance to not just win double digit games, but really compete for the number one seed. And if you're the number one seed in the playoffs, you certainly have a shot at the Super Bowl. Yeah. We talked about sort of the two the two big game start to the season boating uh, really, really well. Most, I think historically we found most teams that that do that are for real, but now it's three in a row. Um, and this thing feels uh, really real. So super exciting. Before I let you go, is there any sort of one thing or one player that we did not hit on that that comes to mind that you want to talk about? Well, there were a lot of things that we did touch on. I would add this. We saw the Packers, given essentially their full allotment of offensive linemen, go with Lucas Patrick as the starting right guard 
and then go with Billy Turner returning from injury as the right tackle. Now, we already touched on the Turner part of this, but I want to focus on Patrick. That they made that decision doesn't just speak to what they think about Turner. It speaks to what they think about Lucas Patrick. This is a player who was an undrafted free agent, had a lot of athletic gifts for an offensive lineman, but really was not anything approximating a starting caliber offensive lineman until maybe some point last season when we saw him in fill-in duty. Right now, he looks like essentially the second coming of Lane Taylor. Now, that doesn't mean that he's a superstar offensive lineman, obviously, but that is a quality starting offensive lineman they were able to develop out of an undrafted free agent. And if you look at this unit, not just for the rest of this year, but looking forward, I mean, David Bakhtiari obviously has a contract that expires this year. They're going to have to make a decision similarly on Corey Lindsley. They have, you know, what appears to be a a rookie with upside in John Runyon, but I don't think they want to play him as a starter right now. And you sort of look at the various machinations that this could create down the line, having Lucas Patrick there and playing at this level makes a huge difference. It gives them a lot of flexibility because if Corey Lindsley were to leave next offseason, that's obviously the spot they would probably put Lucas Patrick. If they are able to retain Corey Lindsley, Lucas Patrick could be the starting right guard or they could put him somewhere else. Maybe if David Bakhtiari were to leave, which I don't think is going to be the case, but it's certainly on the table. Maybe that's a scenario where they kick out Elton Jenkins to left tackle. He certainly has the athleticism to handle that job. And Lucas Patrick becomes the new starting left guard. So having a player performing at that level with that kind of flexibility, and more importantly, or as importantly, at that cost, which is very low, that is going to make a huge difference for this team as they figure out what it's going to look like moving forward. Yeah, it's a little bit been a little bit of musical chairs on the offensive line, but they, it seems that they've stumbled upon some good options, and that is a good problem to have. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But um, that is going to do it here uh, for us for the rapid recap. Again, the Packers over the Saints, thirty-seven to thirty on Sunday Night Football. What a game! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just riding the wave, uh, Jason Hershorn. Thank you uh, on uh, on West Coast time for taking taking a little. Uh, are are you in your your sweaty your sweaty room right now, or did you leave the sweaty room? <laughs> I haven't left here in about twelve hours. So. Thank, thank you for uh, marinating in your own sweat and hopping on with us uh, late at night. Uh, normally have some East Coast folks on the show, but you know it's late for them. We're gonna let them take the night off and appreciate you stopping by and um yeah that's going to do it for us again please consider giving us a rating on apple podcasts if patreon is your thing patreon.com slash note nugs n-o-t-e-n-u-g-s all right guys savor the win soak it up sleep well and um you know gloat at work tomorrow and uh, we will talk to you guys in a couple days 